Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. It's time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. My name is Lynn Evans. I'm the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women, available on Amazon.com. And you're probably waiting for the next part, which usually is Laurie Cadden talking about Hi, my name is Laurie Cadden, and I, <laughs> but she's not here today. Laurie took a, a well-deserved vacation week, and so um, since she's always telling everybody that I'm gone again, I thought it'd be fair for her to say, taking some time off for myself. So we have uh, some wonderful friends of the show who are here today to kind of be my uh, sidekicks, shall we call it that. And they're actually experts. So um, I would like to introduce Dr. Nicole DeNova, who is the, as I love this phrase, the... Um, what's grand it? fromage. No, yeah, grand. That's, I couldn't think of the adjective. The grand, the grand fromage of uh, the veterinary referral and emergency center in, is it Clark Summit technically? Technically it's South Abington Township. Okay, so, yeah, but there. They get upset <laughs> when we say Clark Summit, but do yes. they? They do. Okay. Well, <laughs> welcome, Nicole. And um, normally uh, you would be here for one of the segments anyway this time around. Mm -hmm. So we asked um, Nicole if she would be here for the entire time and bring with her a dear friend who is uh, uh, starting a brand new business in Clark Summit area, Dr. Katherine Radke, otherwise known as Cat. And her husband, Dr. Brad Back, both of them are veterinary um, surgeons. Well, I'm a surgeon, You're a surgeon. Brad's a general practitioner, okay, equine good. general So it's just wonderful to have all of that expertise in this room and in northeastern Pennsylvania. So thank you so much for making the decision to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Well, we'll see. <laughs> wow. We'll see. She hasn't decided. You might, you might not say that at the end. <laughs> I wanted to start the, the program today by including my guests with some uh, um, responses to something that I wrote in that book, Power of the Purse. And I do want to also say before I start this, that last week, two weeks ago, I guess it was, uh, we initiated the Power of the Purse. Try that again. We initiated... Power of the Purse podcast, which is a podcast that I have on iTunes. I think it's called Stitcher and uh, Google Play. And it's uh, me inter in interviewing many women who are what I would consider to be some real powerhouses, women who have been extremely successful in whatever their 
uh, chosen business or profession has been. And they, these interviews ha- last between half an hour to 45 minutes, and they're available, as I said, for subscription on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. I've had a blast doing them. It's been so much fun to learn about some of these women who I've never met uh, physically. I mean, they, they're just kind of voices that I've heard, but they are the most incredible people, and I, I've just been so excited by it. So I hope you'll go to that, powerofthepursepodcast.com, and sign up uh, to subscribe to these interviews. They're quite fun. So the book, Power of the Purse, I wanted to talk about the first chapter because I think that it's really interesting to go back and take a look at how impactful it was to be around um, some role models. Uh, most, most of the cases, it would be mothers or a mother surrogate. And how did that person teach us about money? And I have in the first uh, chapter of the book, it's called What My Mother Would Say. These are truths that my mother shared with me. I have seven of them. And I would just like to read them because I'd love to know what your reactions are to see if you had any of the same kind of influence. The mother's truth number one, what my mother would say, women took what was left and never complained. What we say is women must have a say in financial decisions. Mother's truth number two, what my mother would say, personal finances are exclusively the domain of men What we would say, women are capable of learning about money. Mother's truth number three, what my mother would say, don't buy anything unless you have the money first. But we say learning about the proper, proper use of credit can allow us to buy things without having the money in the bank first. Mother's truth number four, what my mother would say, if you need money for something, go ask your father. We say, earning your own money and saving or investing some of it can give you freedom and choice. Mother's truth number five, what my mother would say, learn to live within your means. But we say, don't accept the limits of your salary. Get creative and find ways to make more money. Mother's truth number six, what my mother would say, make sure you can afford to take the risk. But we say, your limiting beliefs about money are the only things that hold you back from creating your own wealth. Mother's truth number seven, what my mother would say, a woman can never have too much in a rainy day fund. But we say, with the help of the internet, look beyond the constraints of a paycheck for additional sources of income. What are your thoughts on that? Are you on the same page with me, or is it, am I way off? I have so many things to say. Well, go right ahead. Um, I actually, I find that so interesting and inspiring because. What you just read was truth for so many, so many people, but so many women. Mm-hmm. And what it made me immediately think of was I know someone who I one time was complaining about something to do with business. And sh- the person I was speaking to, who is probably now in her elder 70s, maybe early 80s, quickly stopped me <clears throat> in my little rant of complaints and said, Everything you have accomplished, you have accomplished because somebody before you set the path. We suffered so that you could do something so successful. And it really kind of just took me aside and I thought, wow, it's true and I Mm -hmm. should stop complaining. 
But within that, I think the complaints are because we still are struggling to make advances. So things like ask your father made me cringe. You yeah. Know? But it's it's a truth. It was a truth. That's how it was. Um, you know, don't outlive your rainy day fund. I, I understand that. And at the same time, you know, your response was spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a it's a historical reference it's a historical foundation and it's all based in their truths Mm -hmm. and it's from that that we have and are creating our truths and even right now i hope that in 50 years what we find in okay let's let's shorten that in 10 in 10 years (laughs) it is yeah it's so much better i mean you know this this could even launch you off into the equality of pay and yeah. it's not just because of gender, it's because of race, it's because of so many things. should just be equality of pay. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, it's 2016, we still are struggling with that. It's our new truth, but it's so much better than it once was. So, um, yeah, and I think that, that the other thing, the point you just made is very valid because it underscores all of this stuff, which is that was the truth of the time, even to the extent that slavery at one point was the truth right you know we just accepted it that's how it was and until somebody challenges these truths um, i don't think that people really even understand how they impact their lives and how much of that conversation that runs around in your head is even for the most part um, not even audible we don't we don't even know it it's just running the responses that we have so when we look at things like um, I, I think of some people I know who say to me I, I they were talking about getting a new car because the, the car they had was run down and you know should you put more money into it or should you buy a new car and I said well, well why wouldn't you buy a new car well because this one still runs I right. said, yeah, it runs, but it's it's costing you money. But that's part, the why, the answer I got was probably something their parents had said. It's the logic of it. it yes. you can't, or illogic you, of it. Illogic, yes. yeah. You have to use something until you burn it out or kill it. Mm-hmm. There's no way that they could justify doing something for the sheer pleasure of doing it. Mm. So if you said, I really would like to get a new car because I, I like that car. That. No, I know you just... <laughs> Not you. Yeah. No. Um, but that's, I mean, people would never think that they give themselves permission to be able to go out and buy something that they really like just because they like it. Well, not and it's, not just it's, the, it's not just the pleasure of it. It's also the economics behind it. That new car may, in the end, actually cost them less. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But you can't explain that to some people who, th- their parents' values and, and relationship to money is exactly what their children have. And if it is not questioned, if it is not looked at, I mean, even if it's not brought forth and you see this about yourself, you would continue to do exactly what your parents did. Mm-hmm. And you will never get any farther than your parents did because that's the way it works. Yeah, I think there's some kind of self-flogging that people go through when it comes to finances. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Unfortunately. Yeah, well. Kat, with with your experience, with your family, did you ever have anything like that? Did you have uh, rules that your parents shared with you? I think my f- parents might be a little bit more progressive than some, even though they're in some ways old enough to be my grandparents as well. My mom had me later in life. Um, she was always of the thought, you know, we just kind of she always she wasn't from money so if she had money she spent money we did fun things when we had enough money to do it if we didn't we didn't do it that week and and 
you know, so it was sort of a freedom. Um, I never felt, you know, hard up for money or things like that, and I never worried about it that much. My dad was definitely the one who worried about it a bit more. And I think everyone was thankful that he did. We didn't want to have to worry about it either. But um, at the same time, you know, he was of that progressive thought that, you know, always having a newer car is a better investment. He, he traded up, you know, every couple of years and he continues to do so. Um, so for that, I thank them both. I mean, they did give me a pretty good basis in how to handle money. So now I'm the... I'm the appointed CFO of our family because one time we tried to have Brad do it and we nearly got our lights shut off. Um, By the way, Brad is in the room. He's in the room. She's not saying this without him being here. He's giggling. He knows. It's real. Um, But yeah, I mean, times have changed Um, and, and and it's okay that I'm the CFO of our family. It's going well. Good. Nice and bright in our house. (laughs) It is fine. The lights are on. The lights are on. It's fine. No. That's good. So um, as far as uh, your experience with money when you were both girls, how did you learn about what money does? Did you, was it by default that you thought if I didn't have any, I can't do this? Or did you do things where you made little money and then all of a sudden you use it to buy something and say, hey, this is a cool thing? You want How me to go work? first on this one? Go ahead. Oh, boy. Um, my, my background is probably a little bit more complicated. And my, um, my young self, the exposure to money is very different from, I'm certain, the average person. Um, my father was an international businessman and not always making wise business decisions. So I literally grew up in an environment where we would have nothing and nowhere and he would show up two days later and be driving a brand new fancy sports car. So my perspective on money is it gets you things, um, but it also is a necessity for survival. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think just from living in that environment, I, I quickly understood that I needed to set something aside for security, but that if I ever wanted something, I needed to just work hard and diligently and I could achieve some goals. And then if I wanted to buy something for myself, I earned it, I would do it. And I have no guilt over the fact that I don't settle for something that's halfway. If I want that super fancy, whatever it is, you know, the nicest shirt on the rack, I will wait and make sure that I can buy that nicest shirt on the rack. And I don't feel guilty for it, but I also make sure that I've got the security so I can always feed myself. Well, that's and a so good thing. And th- so those were the lessons, <laughs> yeah, but those were the lessons um, that kind of came to me very early, but they happened sort of in conjunction. I think a lot of little kids learn about saving Mm -hmm. and then they figure out oh you do this because now here's the real world Mm -hmm. my real world hit very early so I kind of got that uh, I'm sure in a slightly different manner than a lot and on that note, we're going to take our first break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to The Laurie and Lynn Show. It's Saturday morning with Laurie and Lynn. Now, back to Laurie and Lynn. Good morning. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women, available on Amazon.com. Laurie is not with us today, my cohort, also known as co-host, 
Laurie Cadden. She is taking a well-deserved week off. So I am here today with um, our guest experts, uh, Dr. Nicole DeNova of the Veterinary Referral and Emergency Center and Dr. Catherine Cat Radke of the Equine Hospital, the Abington Equine Hospital. And we were just talking before the break about something having to do with our first memories about money. And Nicole, you just completed your conversation about what you learned. So Kat, tell us about how you learned about money. Well, I was never from a family that did an allowance thing or, you know, do these chores and you will be paid X amount of dollars a week, that sort of thing. Um, My parents were a bit old-fashioned that way where you did what they said because they said it, not Mm -hmm. because they were going to pay you. (laughs) But at the same time, um, most things that were reasonable requests were granted. I mean, I I didn't ever want for anything, Um, but I also didn't ask for too many ridiculous things. Um, Except for one day I did bring home a lead rope. And my father got rightfully very nervous because he was like, what, what do you plan to lead around on this lead rope? <laughs> At which point my mother and I scurried off into my bedroom and got out a notebook and, and drew up an entire business plan about how our family could afford a horse. Oh. And my poor father was blindsided to this That's day. Great. He brings it up. Um, but it worked. I guess it did. It worked. I That's got a horse. really neat. And he, he tells the story all the time. He's like, they came home with a lead rope. Well, now, how did your mother know about business plans? She's smart. Okay, she's smart. Does she's she have just, any experience doing something like that? No, she's never started her own business. They're both high school teachers. She's uh-huh. um, She teaches math, and my father taught chemistry and physics. Okay. Um, it was the family notebook business plan. It really was. Okay. Here's dad buying me a horse yeah. business plan. That's right. I still have it. That's great. I found I it the other day and I do. kept it. I'll bet you did. We, it, there were portions of it that were printed up and we cut it out and we pasted it all in this notebook and it's, I it's love beautiful it. That's actually. That's great. That is really neat. That's not something that too many kids can say. No, I mean, lives. and that's the thing is she's, my mother, she's very practical and she, she taught me how to make a plan and how to think things through and how to balance your checkbook and can you afford this? Could we make this happen? It was never a yes or no. It's a, you know, how could, how could we make this happen or that's what a, would you have to do? That's a huge difference. And along those yes. lines, it wasn't like shut doors. It was open doors, right? And so I got my first job the day I turned 13. Mm-hmm. I was a roller guard. You were a what? A roller guard. What's a roller guard? You skate around the roller rink and you tell people to <laughs> slow down. And you look super cool it's like on your the skates. like hallway monitor yes. on roller skates. I oh love my God. it. That's great. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But so, really fun. That was my first job. But ever since then, all I've done is work with horses. And let's, that's a perfect segue. Let's talk about the Abington Equine Hospital now. Uh, Nicole, did you want to introduce Cat um, um, and Brad? Yeah, so I think it's a. this has been... Today is a great opportunity to just let everybody in the area know that, um, so Dr. Kat Radke, who is an equine surgeon, so equine horses, and Dr. Bradley Back, who is a equine practitioner that does ambulatory work, meaning he'll go to locations to, um, you know, like on call, if you need something, he'll come out to wherever you're located and examine the horse and treat the horse and do whatever he needs to. And then if it is a surgical patient, then it would go to a facility in South Abington Township where they're just now getting started. The facility's not complete yet, but that would go to Dr. Radke. She's the surgeon. Um, I actually 
had met Dr. Radke when I was a surgical resident at University of Wisconsin. She and I met in the comparative orthopedics laboratory there where we were both doing research. And she and I became roommates. She fell in love with this guy named Brad Back, who's in the room. They got married. Um, she went and did her internship. Yay, Brad. Yeah, yay, Brad. <laughs> she went and did her internship at, um, so when I finished my residency, she graduated. She went and did an internship. For those people in the horsey world, they may know the hospital. Um, even the small animal person know it's quite famous, but in Kentucky, it's called Rudin Riddle. Um, and then from there, they went off to Canada. Kat did a residency and a PhD. And Brad went to vet school and then did an internship. And I have been harping at them, begging them, annoying them, um, and finally got them to come to the area to establish uh, essentially a ambulatory and to start with surgical center. Hopefully, you know, in time, there'll be internal medicine and some other specialties there as well. But basically kind of mimicking in the equine world what VREC has done for the small animal world. Yeah. And this area has been in desperate need. There's some great um, primary care veterinarians out there that are working with horses. But I think just to have, um, you know, the, a surgeon come to the area, the caliber of medicine that can be uh, performed and offered nobody especially in a horse um, wants to have to drive two and a half hours when your horse is colicking in the middle of a january cold night putting an animal like that on a trailer and going somewhere far far away so to have this in our area uh, where is the far far away where is the closest hospital that could handle what we're talking about uh cornell would be most people's first choice yeah um that's about two and a half hours in good weather and, yeah. and just from feedback of the area what horse people are telling me and it's about three hours in the bad weather if you can make it um or mid-atlantic which is in new jersey and that's about three hours depends on traffic um new but Bolton. Uh, yeah new bolton i think the road's the way the roads run, that ends up being pretty far as well. So it's just one of those things where you just don't always have that much time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it does, it costs a lot to drive a horse, a truck and trailer that far, and you don't always have that time. And, and just for convenience sake and, and, and a peace of mind, you, you never want to be caught out and, and unprepared for, for a tragedy because anyone who owns horses know they walk around looking for ways to hurt themselves <laughs> daily. So. It's their favorite pastime. Sounds like kids. Yeah, <laughs> they are. They're kids. They, and that's the mm -hmm. thing. And that's that how that's how people feel about them. Yep. A good percentage of them are companion animals. They're their kids. What kind so of response? How would you feel if you didn't have a place to take your kid? Yeah, pretty bad. That's scary. What's uh, what kind of response have you had thus far? Um, really welcoming uh, environment. The people here have been just overwhelmingly um, warm and kind and and excited. Mm -hmm. Excited. Um, you know, because you bring that peace of mind, even though they don't currently need you, they know that they very well could at yeah. any moment. Um, so, you know, people have been nothing but overwhelmingly nice to us and welcoming us into their barns and, and speaking to us. And, um, you know, they it sounds How, like they're happy to have the, the people in their backyard. If, so. if people have horses that they would like you or doctor back to um, to visit, um, how would they get a hold of you? Well, they could call us on an emergency line, and the number is 570-904-8800. Okay. They can also find us on Facebook. Um, they can look up AEH 
PA or Abington Equine Hospital. Either one will work. Um, and we're, our website's still under construction, so we're still working on that bit. Um, we, off, we also have email. It's abingtonequine at gmail.com. Okay, that's good. Um, besides that, I mean, it just not besides that, but in addition to that, I should say, what are the services besides um, bringing the animal to a facility? What are the services that Dr. Back can do if he is ambulatory? What can he do? If, if you have a horse, what exactly can they call you for? Well, they can call us for a wide range of things. Um, we can help with lameness exams. Um, we can help with your routine care. Uh, Brad's, one of his big interests is dentistry. Um, mm. Horses' teeth continually erupt, and so um, if you don't do what you call float them uh, routinely, they can have trouble with maintaining weight and um, accepting the bit and things like that um his other big interest is reproduction so um the making of baby foals which is really wonderful oh, i love foals <laughs> um, so is he um, like but the, he's, he's is a he? general practitioner any any basic need that they could have if you're if you have a colicking horse um any any of their ailments so honestly. primary care primary care exactly vaccinations so could he be um, like a midwife is to humans? He could be a midwife that to horses? Too. Wow. I feel like I'm going to be in trouble at home if I call him a midwife. <laughs> a um, mid-mister. A mid-equine mister. Uh, you know what I mean. Generically. Kind of a person who helps the birthing process. Sure. Yeah. That's okay. If we'll a, use if that word. If a birthing <laughs> process gets in trouble, we call that a dystocia, and that's a, that's a definite emergency. And okay. Yeah, here myself could help So with that. what area would you say in northeastern Pennsylvania you would cover for this type of service, for the ambulatory service? Right now we're looking at all of northeastern Pennsylvania. All the most of the counties, I think there's seven or eight of them around here we yeah, consider northeastern we'd be happy Pennsylvania. To help with any of them right now. Going um, into New York. We're a looking bit at into Jersey. getting licensed in New York and New Jersey once we get going here. Okay. So, yeah. Is there any competition for what you do? Um, there's a little bit of competition in, in the way um, of general practitioners. As Dr. Mm -hmm. DeNova mentioned, we, you know, there's a couple of wonderful practitioners out there taking care of the horses right now. Um, but in the way of um, surgical services, um, no, not unless you go a few hours away. So. Okay. And I might actually even clarify, not that it's competition with those general practitioners, it's just more assistance because there's really right now, I think only two other people that are working equine, um, two or three. And, um, you know, you're talking about all of Northeast PA, some of New York and New Jersey, so not everybody can get to everyone, all right. the horses that are in need. So um, really the only competition might be considered surgical. And, and once again, there is no competition because it's Cornell versus you know, New Jersey or so it's, you know, they've reached out and talked to the other practitioners that are out there working and actually everybody's really happy to have them arriving. So that's good to, to be in the area. Mm -hmm. Yay. Yeah. A lot so, of the other practitioners treat, uh, well, they're mixed animal pr practitioners where they treat several other species as mm -hmm. well. So they need to make time in their schedule for all, for all, everyone. So they're happy to have a little bit of help. That's good. Um, once you get the facility, the surgical facility, 
in order and mm-hmm. have that up and running. How many, uh, what you call them, bays or what will you be able to work on simultaneously? I mean, the surgery can be on one horse and that's all you have room for, or is there? Well, I'm right. just trying to I visualize mean, it because I can't. At first, so at first, um, it would just be myself cutting cases. So yes, I can only cut one case at a time <laughs> because I'm amazing, but I'm not that amazing. <laughs> um, but what uh, the way we have the the footprint of the the hospital laid out, um, one animal can be being induced for anesthesia while one's in surgery, and you just kind of um, make a little. Uh, them along. Yeah, you process them along where as one wakes up, the next one's ready to go in. Mm-hmm. And so you can get, you know. And do you have any um Depending on the surgery, time? you can get three or four done a day. Yeah. It is sort of a different a different uh, throughput compared to the VREC, obviously. Yeah. It's a bigger a undertaking lot, to put a lot more work. an animal that size under anesthesia. And do you uh, have safe. any um, anticipated time when you think the hospital might be open? I'm shooting for any particular I'm shooting day? for before winter. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going to have to cut it here and say thank you, all of you, for being here today. Thanks for having us. Um, yeah, we have ways for everyone to get a hold of you. And, um, Nicole, do you want to talk about VREC? Where can they get you? Sure, 24-7, 365, walk-in emergencies, or you can set up an appointment for a referral doctor, or your vet can set up an appointment for a referral doctor. But it's uh, 570 587 7777. Website is VRECPA or you can go to Facebook VRECPA. Okay. Thank you all for being here today. And we'll be right back with our next guest expert, Dr. Barbara Plucknett. Thanks. It's Saturday morning with Lori and Lynn. Now back to Lori and Lynn. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women, available on Amazon.com. And as I mentioned earlier, um, my co-host, Ms. Laurie Cadden, has decided that it's time for her to take a little break. So it's just me today and our guest expert, our second guest expert, Dr. Barbara Plucknett, who is the owner of Advanced Gynecology Associates in Scranton. Welcome, Dr. Plucknett. Thanks for having me. Always exciting to be here. Good. I'm glad you feel that way because we look forward to what you talk about every week. It's very educational, and I think it's also exciting stuff. So you wanted to talk to us today about something you spoke about a couple months ago um, with great excitement that there was a machine coming that you would be able to do something spectacular for women. So tell us about it. So uh, we talked a couple months ago about the new um, laser, the vaginal laser that was going to be um, helpful for resurfacing, rejuvenating um, is a word that's been used, um, but um, giving um, women, menopausal women, um, some help with their vaginal symptoms. And one of the things that I kind of want to step back and, and just discuss There's been new terminology um, used to describe a group of symptoms, um, and it's called genitourinary symptoms of menopause. And so what they were trying to get away with was, um, you know, throwing around the terms vaginal atrophy or dryness or things of that sort. 
because it, the symptoms that we see with menopause, with the lack of estrogen, they really involve more than just vaginal dryness or vaginal symptoms. We can have outside skin or vulvar symptoms. A lot of women have urinary symptoms. We talk about stress incontinence and overactive bladder a lot, um, and they can be certainly aggravated by the loss of estrogen. And of course, there's another skin condition that we see quite a bit of in menopause, and that's called lichen sclerosis, which is a whitening of the skin, um, and it's thought to be related to a decline in hormones. And so the um, the North American Menopause Society and this other group that's put the name the initials of ISSWH, they um, got together and decided that this term genitourinary symptoms of menopause was probably a better use of our our, our vocabulary to describe these. And well, so it sounds a lot more pleasant. It does. It does. It Nobody really wants does. to walk around and say that they have vaginal atrophy, but they do uh, want yeah. to say I have GSM. And now okay. the new the new coined letters are GSM. Okay. Um, and so we you know, if we have GSM it doesn't sound so bad. It does. Um so, you know, we talked about the things that we see when we don't have a lot of estrogen. Um, you know, we, we, get, we do have dryness. We do have a, a different kind of a discharge, sometimes itching. We have painful intercourse. We may see that our frequency of urination increases or that we have uh, newfound incontinence or worsening of an incontinence pattern that we already had. Um, some people even get recurring urinary tract infections um, because the estrogen, which is so helpful to the vaginal's um, environment, the pH, um, the health of the tissue, um, the type of bacteria that we have, that estrogen-related benefit is gone, and then it, it makes us more susceptible to having reoccurring infections. When we lose our estrogen, we lose our elasticity. The tissues become more taut and more un uncomfortable. Um, and so, you know, intercourse, as I said, would be uncomfortable. Sometimes even when people wipe, they find it to be uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, these types of things only get worse with time. It's not that you'll see with menopause that sometimes people have symptoms just as they're going through menopause and then they go away. These, act, these symptoms actually persist. They do not go away. And, and matter of fact, they, they have been known to get worse with time. And a lot of women struggle with what do I do about this because I think that despite our best attempts at education, um, there's a lot of people that are afraid of using estrogen. You know, certainly there are groups of people that we, we really shouldn't use estrogen on, um, but there are, there are a lot of people that are simply afraid um, because the studies that came out back in the early 2000s said that hormones are bad. Um, and, it, and, and it's been very difficult to get people to understand that not all hormones are bad and sometimes hormones are actually good and they, they are beneficial to us and as long as we use them appropriately they can be used but that said there are people that say i, I just do not want to use hormones and there are for, other medications go ahead for those people for whom it would not be a good idea to use the hormones so people that have had a recent um a recent uh, bout with cancer so most mm -hmm. most specifically the female cancers um you know we like to say that systemic or whole body hormone use probably shouldn't be used in people that have had uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, or breast cancer within the last five years. Um, mm -hmm. There are many of us that feel that after five years of being cancer-free, it would be okay to use those hormones if they went through the bloodstream. What we're talking about for this particular topic, the GSM, is just the vaginal use of hormones. Um, and there's been many studies to show that the amount of hormone absorbed through the vagina is very minimal um, and certainly has not been associated with any increased risk of cancer um, per se. But we okay. always 
think twice about people that are in those cancer populations, and we have a heart-to-heart conversation about what's their real risk. They and did come you, out. Let me ask you a question here, and I'm saying this because I have a friend who has taken this, this position. If you have had a history of um, cancer in your family, not necessarily anything that has to do with the female organ cancers, mm-hmm. She is very much against the idea of using any kind of hormone therapy because she feels she's got a strong history in her family of cancer in general. Right, Would right. that make any sense? Um, if the types of cancer fell into a pattern, so to speak, you know, we talk, um, people talk about the BRCA testing, the genetic yeah. testing. So if the types of cancers fell into one of those genetic groups, for instance, people that have ovarian and or bowel and or breast, and there's, there's actually a number of different cancers that could fall into different patterns. If their family members had any of those types of cancers, and and they certainly could get counseling on that, um, then I might say that they might be at an increased risk of any of the other cancers in the group as well. But not all, simply because someone has had a cancer uh, in the family doesn't mean that they are themselves at risk for that particular type of cancer. Okay. So, but there are, there are many genetic tests available now. Um, there used to be just one or two companies on the market that did that genetic testing, and now there's several. Um, and so you can certainly talk to your primary care doctor. I'm sure they have access to those. Uh, gynecologists always have access to that testing. Um, and we would certainly be glad to give you the proper counseling and see if you were um, at risk for any of those and did, did you want to go ahead with that particular type of testing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, just, you know, in in general, the therapies uh, that we've talked about for vaginal dryness in the past, we also talked about um, Osfina, which was a a medication that came on the market. It's an oral medication, so it's a pill form meant to be taken every day. Um, That is of the group of medications that fall under the term selective estrogen receptor modulators, which means it, it acts like an estrogen in certain parts of the body and not like an estrogen in other parts of the body. The only problem with that is it is a daily medication. It does have a side effect profile that would need to be discussed. Um, And so sometimes I feel that the the risk of using that medication may outweigh the benefits um, when there's other options available. I'm of the mindset that you, you identify the problem and then you correct the problem. And the problem with vaginal dryness is a lack of estrogen. And so to me, it's, you know, number one, try to give back what we're missing um, to, to take care of that problem. There's also over-the-counter lubricants that people have used, and they have been shown to relieve dryness in a fair number of people. But I think the newer thing um, that's out, and, and it is currently being studied and has been studied, is the use of what's called a fractional CO2, carbon dioxide laser, for the vagina. Um, and that is going to be one of the um, more reestablishing the, the normal tissue, the normal anatomy, the normal environment without the use of any medications. And I think that this is going to be a great new technique for people um, that fall under these categories that, number one, don't want to use estrogen, uh, feel that there's risk, or simply don't want to be bothered with the use of a medication on a once or twice a week basis when the use of a laser done initially three times six, at six-week intervals and then once a year thereafter. And I actually was uh, at my training for this just recently, so I was able to witness um, the procedure being done, um, very well tolerated. Uh, the, to- the total procedure time was five minutes. Um, what? And 
five minutes. Five. And it didn't require <laughs> any types of numbing medication or the patients wow. weren't discomforted in any way. Um, and, the, and the gal that I've trained with, um, you know, that particular patient that I was doing with her was patient number 1,267. So she has been doing oh. this uh, therapy for quite some time now and is just thrilled with it. Um, you know, she's seen such great uh, improvement. And I was able to talk and speak with some of the patients that were there. Um, and they, this was not their first visit. This was their second and third visit of this series. Wow. And they were quite happy with their response. Matter of fact, um, in one after one session, the the vaginal tissues had had rejuvenated themselves back to the uh, almost a normal appearance, a normal uh, fluidity. Um, it was just amazing with only one treatment, um, and the patients echoed the same comments. Um, they hadn't been symptomatic since a couple of weeks after they had their therapy, um, and I'm actually just so excited to be able to offer that to people in our area um, and and hopefully move forward. Um, you know, with with getting the tissues to be regenerated, we see a so, lot of um, urinary stuff in our practice as well, and I'm hoping um, that that's going to be another advent for us uh, to be able to get a healthier vaginal tissue that is more supportive to the bladder. So, are you accepting patients now for this procedure, or is there? Yes, no, we are time. accepting patients. Um, we Yay. are fully okay. trained, fully set up, fully ready to roll. Um, we are, will be taking uh, appointments for that. And as I said, um, you know, initially you still need to have that first visit so you can discuss all of your options. Although this sounds like a wonderful option, it, it may not be your favorite option after we've done, you know, our evaluation, our physical exam, and we've gone through everything. Um, if you've already been, um, you know, through our practice and, and are currently using other modes of therapy and are just not satisfied with them, by all means, we would love to have that conversation with you to say, maybe this is something for you and we, can, we could talk through that at that point. Now, is this something that is done in the office, or do you need to do this in the hospital? No, this is an in-office, um, right in your reg- right, right in the regular office uh, exam rooms. Um, you know, the laser is, is sitting in the room. Um, it, it's really not an overwhelming thing. Um, and as I said, it really it takes about five minutes. <laughs> I can't believe that. That is amazing. Five minutes. It, it truly is. Wow. I, you know, had I, I would have thought it would have taken a little bit longer, but it's a series of small little... Um, little um dots Zap. created by this zaps i that was a, i wasn't yeah. sure i wanted to use that word um but uh, zaps is a good word but little okay. dots made into the skin tissue um that then create the collagen underneath to regrow re-stimulate um and it's this little uh evident, this little area of injury that stimulates tissue regrowth and it regrows back to its old normal healthy state wow it truly is amazing. I, I tell just, everybody, tell everybody how they can find you. How can they reach you? So uh, we are found. We are located across from Regional Hospital in Scranton. Uh, we are on Jefferson Avenue. Our phone number is five seven zero three four four nine 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 seven. And the girls would be glad to take your information and assist you with the scheduling of an appointment to see if this would be uh, a technique that would be good for you. That sounds great. So, as my uh, co-host would say at this point, um, hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Uh, Be happy, and above all, be nice. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.